from John. We're going to be in Matthew 10. If you want to jump to verse 34 is where we're going to start. So uh, what brought this on? So if, if this is your first time or your first time in a while, uh, we've been studying through the Gospel of John since the beginning of the semester, maybe even since before that, I think before that. Uh, we've been studying through the Gospel of John for quite some time. And uh, it's been a good time. Um, but I've been having a lot of conversations. And something that just keeps coming up. Um, and something I realize is a lot of you are going home to families or lives that are antagonistic to Christianity. Uh, and I just keep having that conversation over and over and over. A lot of you are going into families where it's not this loving encouragement of your beliefs. It's not this loving encouragement of you making hard decisions to sacrifice yourself uh, for the good of the people around you and to sacrifice what you want for um, just biblical obedience. And so that conversation is just coming up over and over and over um, and I think it's actually quite rare now, uh, and I don't know if it used to be or not, but I think it's quite rare for you to come from a home that has a mom and a dad, and both of them are like God-fearing, Christ-centered Christians, right? So most of you don't come from that environment. Um, and a lot of you, as we've walked through Scripture, as we've walked through just your life, uh, a lot of y'all are making some hard steps. And it's beautiful. Like, I get up here and yell at you every Sunday. Um, and I just want to take tonight and say, like, I see a lot of y'all are just making these difficult steps. And it's beautiful. And it's awesome. And at every turn, y'all are facing opposition, whether it's from your family or not. Um, or whether it's from your friends or, or whatever. And so I just want to first say, uh, like, we see that, we recognize that, we think it's a beautiful thing, and, and I want to just read through Matthew 10 tonight. It's not this really happy text, um, so, but you'll see. Uh, it's really not, uh, but let's read it, and we'll talk about it. And I'm going to make this brief, uh, because I'd really like tonight just to be a time of prayer and worship and celebrating uh, these baptisms and just decisions that have been made over the last semester. Um, so, yeah, let's do that. Matthew 10, we're going to start in verse 34. Oh, if you don't have your Bible, uh, you can look up there, but there's Bibles in the pews, and we're on page 815. If you don't own a Bible and you're going home, we, there's Bibles in the back, so please take one with you. They're for you. Uh, if you don't have one and you're going home and you just don't own one, yeah, please do that. They're there for you. Okay, let's get started now. Uh, do not think that I have come to bring peace to the earth. This is Jesus talking. Do not think that I have come to bring peace to the earth. I have not come to bring peace, but a sword. For I have come to set a man against his father, and a daughter against her mother, and a daughter-in-law against her mother-in-law. And a person's enemies will be those of his own household. Whoever loves father or mother more than me 
is not worthy of me. This is hard, right? This is crazy almost. Like this is Jesus. This doesn't sound like Jesus. Whoever loves father or mother more than me is not worthy of me. Whoever loves son or daughter more than me is not worthy of me. And whoever does not take his cross and follow me is not worthy of me. Whoever finds his life will lose it. And whoever loses his life for my sake will find it. I'm going to read that again. Whoever finds his life will lose it. And whoever loses his life for my sake will find it. That's difficult, right? So Jesus is literally saying, I did not come to the earth to make peace. We think Jesus came to make peace, right? Like, we all want peace on earth, and we, because we're Christians, we think Jesus brought that. Uh, there, there is a sense in which he did come to bring peace. Jesus came to bring peace between God and man. So there was not peace between God and man before Jesus. Uh, men actively rebelled against the direction that the Creator uh, had first designed the creation for. Uh, and men were given freedom. They were given the freedom of their wills. And with that, with that freedom, they rebelled. And so immediately what began is God looks at his creation and says, we are not cool, bro. He didn't say that. But in my head, he said that. That's what he said to me. Like, we're, we're, we're not cool, um, but it wasn't the end of that story. I'm going to rescue you. So you can't do anything to fix this problem. It's so deep and so grave and so, so deadly. You can't do anything to fix the problem. I'll fix the problem for you. And so we began the nation of the Israelites with their prophecies and their religion and um, and all of it wasn't an end in itself. All of it was to pave the way for Jesus, to explain the purpose of what Jesus would do, to prophesy about what Jesus would do, so that when Jesus came, we could look back on almost 2,000 years of history and say, oh, that's, it was God pursuing humanity the whole time. It was God chasing down his creation the whole time. So then what, why, why this text, right? Why? I didn't come to bring peace on the earth. What's he talking about? Um, during this time, so let's think back 2,000 years, and let's just think about uh, all the cultures that existed during this time. Um, and I don't pick a culture that you can think of, whether it's like, in, in, I don't know, American Indians or, or something. Uh, just a, a culture that you can conceive of in your mind. Um, Cultures were what they called sacral. Uh, everyone within a given culture basically believed the same thing about uh, societal norms um, and religious norms and political norms. When I say norms, I mean like uh, normal things. Uh, so this isn't completely across the board, uh, but it is for the most part in a given society. You know, like if you were in a tribe, an American Indian tribe, you would basically... They, they all sort of basically believed the same things about whether there was many gods or 
uh, how you appease these gods or whether the, the earth was God. You know what I mean? Like they all sort of believe the same thing about that. And you were sort of born into that and you were part of that society. It wasn't like they had these babies and then they turned 14 and they're like, okay, now do you believe uh, that the sun is actually a god um, and that the moon is actually gone. They didn't ask him, you know, do you believe these things, and what do you think about that, and should we, should we wrestle with these ideas? It was basically a shared cultural norm. We all do the same thing. We all think the same thing. Um, and so, I mean, you can see instances where there's people that diverge from that and, and they move out, but for the most part, there were shared societal religious ideas, and this is true for the Jewish people. This is true for the Jewish people. The, the Jewish people is who Jesus is talking to in this text. Jesus' death and resurrection sparks this new thing. It sparks this new thing where Jesus is basically telling people, you can't be born into Christianity. So following Jesus meant that I have to turn from societal norms, I have to turn from that and go the opposite direction. And what's odd about Jesus is basically no matter what culture that is, you're going to be turning and going against the grain of that culture. You're going to be going against the grain of that worldview. No matter what worldview it is. And so, if, like, let's just let's talk about now. If you, are a, if, if you become a Christian in the Middle East, there's a good chance you're going to have to turn and go against the shared cultural norms of Islam, Right? It's just, if you do that in China, you're going to have to turn and go against the shared cultural norms of communist China and all that they believe right now. And it doesn't matter what culture you're born in, when you say, I believe that Christ was who He said He was, that God literally came to earth and took all of my sins and now He is worthy for me to follow with everything that is in me you're going to have to turn and go, you're swimming upstream now. You're going against the grain now. You're the subculture now. That's just, he's saying, I'm setting you against your family. So specifically with these, don't think that I came to bring peace. If you start following me, your mom and dad may think differently. Like, he say, if you start following me, the Jews don't think that Jesus was the Son of God. So if you, if you start saying that Jesus is the Son of God and He did die for my sins, you're going to have to go against what your parents think. And so this broke families down. And he's saying, if you're not ready for that, if you're not ready for it, then think again. Like, don't just jump on this Christianity thing and think it's all going to be gravy. It's going to be, it's going to be rocky. It's going to be tough. He's like, I came to, that's what I'm here for. You're going to turn and go against the grain. And there's, there's, there's no way of getting around that. But what's weird, what's weird is American culture. Because American culture is shaped in a lot of ways by Christian ideas. So to say that American is Christian, I wouldn't go there. But to say that America wasn't shaped by Christian ideas, what you, you just don't know history, we are a part of what was called Christendom. So our shared cultural ideas, especially 20 years ago, this is sort of fading away now, but that's okay. 
especially 20 years ago, everybody knew who Jesus was. Everybody went to church, especially in the South, right? Like you went to the same church grandma went to and mama went to, and then you went home and you had Sunday supper. You know what I mean? Like this is big in the South. But so much of that culture was only shaped by Christianity and used Christian words and Christian ideas, but was not real Christianity. It was not lose my life for the sake of Jesus and follow him with everything I have. It is let's follow the American dream and woven into the American dream are these ideas about Jesus. Be a good person. Pull yourself up by your bootstraps. Don't lie. Don't cuss. Don't have sex before you're married. Don't get real drunk all the time. You know what I mean? I mean, just listen to country music. All right? I enjoy country music. But how many songs can I hear where they're talking about getting wasted and then talking about Jesus, like in the same song? And I'm like, I, I don't necessarily love modern country music. I do like a little bit of old country. But you know what I'm saying? There's, that, there's, those, there's those Jesus talk in there. But it's not Christianity. It's not real. It's just Christendom. It's different. And so I bring all that to light to say some of you guys have lived in that and then at some point your eyes were open to like, oh, that's not real Christianity. And you come here and you're starting to lay, like really lay down your life. Like lay down what you want to do. Lay down what you think like lay down all of your desires for your future, lay down, you're laying down everything, and you're like, I'm just going to pursue biblical holiness, like I'm going to try that. And then you go back to an environment that talks about Jesus, likes the idea of church, but doesn't love the idea of you losing your life for Christ's sake. So you're going back to a culture that is shaped by something else. You're going back to a culture that is shaped by the American dream. You're going back to a culture that says, yeah, it's all cool. Let's do religion. Let's do Jesus. But keep it in bounds, man. Don't get all nutso about it. Like the, the biggest thing is still that you find financial security and make sure you have a good job and you do whatever it takes to get that financial security and you do whatever it takes to make sure you can retire and you do whatever it takes because when you graduate, you better get that job that lasts for the next 50 years where you can then retire and then you can sit for the next 10 years on a boat somewhere. Like, and then here, here we paint life. This is life. This is life. And the next steps have been pretty clear. Man, me and Matt Bart were just talking about that. This is what he was saying. The next steps have been clear. Like, I knew after second grade was third grade. I knew after third grade was fourth grade. And, right? and then now after I graduate, it's like, bro, you're about to step off into the abyss. Like, what's there? What's there? If you step off thinking you're about to land on the American dream, it's a dream. It's a dream. It's a dream. It's a dream. It, it just doesn't satisfy. It just, it just doesn't. And this, is, this may be too strong, but that's okay. A lot of your parents want you to walk into that, but they're in the middle of a midlife crisis because they've been looking at the last 25 years of their life in their workplace, and they're like, what? This is meaningless. I need to go buy a Corvette. I'm wigging out here. But they still expect you to step into that same thing because they don't see anything else. 
Like, what else is there? Poverty? What else is there? Go live in the woods? Like, what else is there? Right? And so, you coming back and talking about, like, I, I really just want to give my whole life to Jesus. I really just want to follow what the Bible says. I really just want to see what that's about. Maybe I'll go into the mission field, you know, or maybe I'll just go get a job and I won't act like climbing the, that social ladder or climbing that financial ladder is the end of it all, but I'll consider that maybe God put me in my workplace so that I might share the hope of the gospel with the people that are stuck in a futile system. Maybe that's what he's sent you into the workforce for and maybe not so that you can retire at 50 and have a boat and then stand before God on that day when he judges the thoughts of all men and he's like congratulations nice boat yeah like that's not what he's going to be praising you for or condemning you for you know what I mean so um, so this is heavy right because some of you are going into a home that doesn't get you. It does not get you. It just doesn't. And that's hard. And that, can I say it? It sucks. It really does. And I'm sorry. But I don't want to act like that's not what Jesus said from the beginning. He said, you turn and you follow and it's going against the grain. And the only thing weird about it here is that the grain looks so much like Christianity, but it's not. And some of you are graduating now, and you're moving into a workforce or a worldview that is completely shaped by something other than Christianity. It's completely shaped by financial security. It's completely shaped by how successful you can be. It's completely shaped by these lies that promise satisfaction and don't give it. And you are going to be stuck in this, this like a rat in a cage on a wheel if you don't bust out of that like today. So I, I want to spend tonight during the time that we're worship, worshiping and celebrating these baptisms of these people who are really making these decisions that I, I'm going to lose my life. Like, literally, I'll lose my life. Like, that, this talk is not casual. Do you know what I mean? It's not like, sort of accept it. Jesus was a fanatic. He was, he was nuts. He said crazy stuff. And we believe he rose from the dead, and then we believe that people that have faith in him rise from the dead also. That's crazy. You can't just be like, eh, okay, that sounds good, and I'll go do what I want. Either that's stupid and ridiculous and crazy, or it's not. And he just had a higher view and a higher perspective. And belief in him really does do all that he said it would do. And it really will cost you all that he said it would cost. I mean, it seems quite odd that he saw some of your lives coming, that he saw this antagonism that you would face with your parents like 2,000 years ago. So, it seems like he's compelling, man. He's compelling. But it's not casual either way. It's not casual. It's not like, yeah, okay. So, uh, tonight as we're, as we're worshiping, um, I, if you're going home to that, if you're going home to that, 
I want you to find someone, and I just want you all to pray together. I just want you all to pray together and ask that God would intercede for you. And I want to take off of your shoulders the need to save your family, okay? I want to take that off of your shoulders. You have been made an ambassador for Christ, no doubt in my mind. But when you carry around your parents' salvation and your siblings' salvation on your shoulders, you were never meant to carry that around. Like in Matthew 10 before this, it's weird. Jesus says, I've I've given you all authority in heaven and on earth. I've given you authority to heal diseases and to cast out demons. So that's weird. He's talking about demons. I've given you authority to do that. Now go. And then he says, I'm sending you out like a sheep and wolves. I, I would, if I was here, I would have been the guy that turned to Jesus and said, if I have all the authority, shouldn't I be the wolf? And you be, all these other people be the sheep? But following Jesus and taking the authority given to us in this text and in Ephesians, it turns you into a sheep. It turns you into a sheep. Sheep are dumb and powerless and weak. But he says you follow the good shepherd. You follow him. And you rest in him. And you trust in him. And you have all the power that the Son of God has. You have it. And so walking around as if if I don't do something, I don't do something, I don't do something, my parents are going to go to hell. You know what I mean? Like that sort of fretting. That's... That's not, that's not Christianity. That's not trusting. And then it says, right after that, I'm going to bring you in front of kings who are going to persecute you. And don't worry about what you'll say. You'll be given the words when the time comes. And so I want to take those words and give them to you. Don't worry about the things that you'll say. The words will be given to you. Just trust in our Father that He knows how to lead. He knows your parents better than you know your parents. He loves your parents more than you love your parents. So trust in Him and follow Him and you'll be given words and opportunity when the time comes. And don't shy away. And if you do, hey, that's okay. You'll get another chance. You will. So tonight I just want you guys... um, If that's what you're going home to, I want you to find somebody and just pray with them tonight. Somebody you trust. Um, If you're if you're graduating and you're going out into the to the working world, um, you're you are literally moving into a worldview that is opposed to you, and and you're about to be stepping away from all the community uh, that you've really known for the last few years. Uh, And so you're I'm just challenging and pushing you. Find a group of believers who believe what you do and be supported by them. Gladly submit to a local church wherever you're going and find edification in their leadership. You can't do it on your own and you were never made to. So if you're moving in that direction, I just want to push you guys in that direction. You've been a part of a community that has been edifying you and building you up and you need that. We are, we are uh, people who have been called into a, uh, into a relationship with God and with other people.
we are not called into a relationship with God and ourselves, and we're not lone rangers. Um, so, yeah, I want to pray for you guys. Um, and we're going to worship, have some baptisms. So, yeah, you can do it. It's going to be sweet. I know the summer may be hard for some of you, but it's, it is for your good. It really is. It really is. And you will be stronger for it. You will be wiser for it. You'll be more patient and more loving and more kind for it. So trust our Father in the middle of that.